0: Donald Trump is not trying to win the national popular vote, it would seem. I'm not convinced he even cares, considering places like California and New York have massive populations that are going to vote for the Democrat no matter what. Donald Trump is trying to win the key areas of swing states that will give him those swing states in the Electoral College. Now, all of this is operating under the assumption that mail-in voting won't disrupt the election, and who knows what's going to happen. But let's just say the election goes as normal. How will Donald Trump win? And why is it the Democrats may have already lost the election? It's because the Black Lives Matter protests quickly became riots. And it turns out that people who live in suburbs do not like riots, particularly white suburban women with college degrees. They're growing increasingly frustrated with the ongoing unrest in urban centers. But of course, the polls have come out suggesting that Joe Biden is still winning. Well, it's true at the national level. But what about in suburbs? Actually, in suburbs, many polls are claiming that Joe Biden is still beating Trump. And this, to me, says the polls are wrong. I think this may be the best evidence the polls are wrong because Joe Biden got out of his basement, went running full speed to address all of these riot concerns to the best of his ability without actually naming Antifa or Black Lives Matter, and then quickly tried changing the subject. That is not the behavior of someone who thinks they're winning. That's the behavior of someone who thinks they're losing. And many people have pointed it out. In Joe Biden's internal polls, they probably realized Trump's going to win the suburbs. This could be it for us. Net support for Black Lives Matter has been cut in half since the escalation of the riots. Now, mind you, that's because support doubled. When the George Floyd incident happened, many people came out and said, we support this movement for justice. And then once it became mass riots, many people were like, yo, I'm out of here. And they wiped away the basically the entirety of their gains supporting Black Lives Matter. They should have disavowed the riots and Black Lives Matter immediately once things got out of hand. Still, to this day, they can't do it. Now, if we're going to operate under the assumption that polls are correct, things look great for Joe Biden. But I don't think that's the case. When we take a look at, say, Colin Kaepernick, guess what? Nobody wanted to sign him. I kid you not. I got the story. NBA ratings are way down. And guess what? A plurality of former NBA fans say the politics are just too much. People are getting sick and tired of this, notably in the suburbs, in which case the Democrats made a bet that following the George Floyd incident, mass support for Black Lives Matter would get them the votes they needed to win. It's long been shown by many polls that Trump is doing really well among the black community, getting him enough votes to guarantee his victory. Democrats know they need to win back these votes. So Joe Biden has started doing outreach. They thought maybe Black Lives Matter would be a path to that victory. And it's backfiring. And guess what? Interestingly, when we see the NBA and and, and the NFL and people just rejecting this, this far left ideology outright, Donald Trump stepped it up, banning critical race theory from the federal government. He wouldn't be doing this unless he thought it would be benefiting him. And Joe Biden wouldn't be running to these jurisdictions, scared and making statements unless his polls show he's suffering. And Joe Biden desperately trying to change the subject and the media trying to help him says to me, their support for Black Lives Matter may have already cost them this election because the riots are only getting worse. And of course, they're going to continue getting worse. In my earlier segment this morning, I referenced Sean Parnell. He's a Republican running in Pittsburgh, and he pointed out early on in an ad that these riots are going to get bad. And guess what? Local media criticized him for it. And then just the other day, Black Lives Matter harassed people at a restaurant, smashing glasses and stealing drinks. And that's just the beginning. It's not the biggest deal in the world relative to what we've seen already, but it will get worse. And I assure you, many of these people are going to say enough of this. Some speculate, however, based on these polls, some of these people gravitate towards Joe Biden. I don't buy it. I absolutely do not buy it. But maybe some people, because I'll tell you this, in my neighborhood, to my shock, a Blue Lives Matter flag was taken down and the next door neighbor put up a Biden sign, the first Biden sign I've ever seen. And I live in the suburbs. This is the first experience I've ever had with seeing a Biden sign and someone taking down a flag. I didn't believe it was as widespread as some people suggested, and I still don't. Because in my neighborhood, for the most part, people seem to be kind of on the fence. But I guess we'll see how it plays out. Let's do this. Let's read what Politico has to say. And then I want to show you how Black Lives Matter has changed and how people are reacting to Black Lives Matter in general public outside of politics. Because mind you, if people won't watch the NBA and nobody wants to sign Kaepernick, we are seeing get woke, go broke happen in real time. Why would that not be the same case politically? Check out the story from Politico. Why Biden could still lose the suburbs to Trump. And, and, and keep in mind, that's exactly where Trump needs to win in order to win the Electoral College. Before we get started, however, head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work, there are many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box. The best thing you can do is share this video, however. I don't have a big marketing department. I just have word of mouth. So if you think what I'm talking about is important, And if you think people should know this, share this video to help spread the word. And don't forget, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Let's read the story. Politico says among local party officials, there's an undercurrent of uneasiness about how quickly the president shifted the focus of the campaign away from his coronavirus response and toward public safety. Politico says a raft of recent polls suggests Donald Trump's law and order rhetoric amplified by the Republican National Convention and turmoil in Kenosha, Wisconsin, is doing little to cut into Joe Biden's lead. Now, before I read what they say, I have to point out what I said earlier with some uh, some commentary from another journalist. Yasher Ali tweeted, whether people think this is the right strategy or not, uh, uh, or whether the criticism is fair or not, Biden would not be doing this if the polls and focus groups didn't show that this is a weak spot for him. And this is a reference to Joe Biden running a week long, massive ad campaign, $45 million condemning rioters and looters. Of course, Joe Biden won't call out the far left anti far Black Lives Matter by name, but he needs to address the rioting and looting. To be fair, Joe Biden may still be leading in the polls, and he may just be shoring up his defenses to make sure Trump can't get any inroads. But I don't think so. I mean, Joe Biden said he wouldn't go to Kenosha and then changed his mind and rushed out there full speed. Yasher says it's a weak spot for him. And it may just be that, a weak spot where he's still doing better. I don't think so. I think Donald Trump is the law and order candidate in this regard. And from what I've seen and heard, many people have told me explicitly before the riots, they were for Biden or hated Trump. And now they're definitely for Trump. Another issue on a side note is that a lot of people I talk to who live in suburbs and rural areas, human trafficking is their number one issue. I don't know if that's just people I know, but I see people I never thought possible, like who would to get political are coming out and saying like look at all of these arrests that have been made when it comes to trafficking and that's huge. But well, let's see what they say. Politico says, in swing state suburbs, local party officials are are, are meeting the labor day start of the fall campaign with an undercurrent of an uneasiness, uneasiness about how quickly Trump shifted the focus of the campaign to public safety. Interviews with more than two dozen Democratic Party officials and strategists in the suburbs reflect confidence in Biden's ability to compete with Trump on issues surrounding this summer's civil unrest, but also widespread concerns about the political volatility and potential allure of the president's law and order message. In Pinal County, Arizona, where thin blue line flags have proliferated outside Phoenix and Tucson, Holly Lyon, chair of the local Democratic Party, said, "There is." There is that little sort of unsettled feeling in people because we can tell that Trump's messaging is grabbing hold and it's working. How this plays out in the election, that's where people are all over the map, said Joseph Foster, chairman of the Democratic Party in Montgomery County, PA, in the Philadelphia suburbs. No one seems to know what that's going to entail or how people are going to react now. I live in the Philadelphia suburbs. But I'm not in the right state. I'm on the Jersey side of the river. Most people don't know this, but New Jersey is basically a collection of other states' metropolitan areas. So you've got Philadelphia, the river, and then Jersey. I'm on the Jersey side. My vote doesn't matter. Not Well, because Pennsylvania is a swing state and you know I'm in a deep blue state. But I think based on what I'm seeing, I would not be surprised if Pennsylvania votes for Donald Trump. However, I did mention nearby, I was shocked to see a Blue Lives Matter flag taken down. Maybe someone stole it. I don't know but it's been there forever. And now it's gone. And then just next to it on the neighbor's house is a Biden 2020 sign. That to me was kind of weird because I've never seen that before, especially in this neighborhood. In my neighborhood, there's like this lake area. It's like a swampy marsh. You you don't go in there. Someone somehow planted a massive Trump flag right in the middle. And this is a, a major blue district. It's like D plus eight or something. They say the suburbs where Trump defeated Hillary Clinton by four points in 2016 and where the 2020 election will likely be decided, have been a point of extreme weakness for Trump since the midterm elections, when voters two years ago recoiled from the president and the Republican Party, handing Democrats the House majority. In an effort to draw those voters back to him, Trump seized on images of looting and violence in Minneapolis and Portland following the death of George Floyd, and most recently Kenosha. Trump blamed the unrest on permissive Democrats and warned a Biden administration would leave suburban America in ruins. And I am I am in agreement and it's not having to do with anything Trump said. It has to do with my tracking this stuff since it started my beat before doing commentary and politics. I was on the ground covering civil unrest here in the United States, in Europe and in other and and Egypt, North Africa. I've been to many of these places, South America, Turkey, Thailand. I've been all over and I have seen how this stuff plays out and what it leads to. And I do not like it. And I needed just one Democrat to say, hey, Antifa, knock it off and said, what do we get? Antifa is a myth. It's not true. There's no Antifa. Antifa is not real. But it is real. And I watch these videos and I've been physically attacked by these people. So maybe I'm biased in that regard, but I want to see it dealt with. The Democrats refused and Trump consistently held his ground. That's why I think whether or not they realize it, Trump's silent voters may actually be coming out. They go to mention that there's a bunch of polling showing that Joe Biden is still doing a lot better, saying that, you know, no one's here's, here's what Biden said of Trump's law and order posturing, quote, they ain't buying it. And most Democratic political professionals and some Republicans believe that's probably true. Frank Luntz, the veteran Republican consultant and pollster, he said that Trump's talking about the right issue, but in the wrong way. Suburban voters want public safety even more than law and order. They want safe streets rather than dominating the streets. His rhetoric is over caffeinated. Kevin Farmer, chair of the Democratic Party in Forsyth County, North Carolina, said of Trump, I just don't think anybody reasonable is going to listen to that and think that's on the level. But two months before Election Day, there is an awareness the final verdict isn't in. And unlike on on the coronavirus, unequivocally a losing issue for the president, many rank and file Democrats in the suburbs see a potential upside for Trump on the issue of law and order. If you thought things were bad today, well, just wait a few more days, a few more weeks and a few more months. The far left isn't letting up. They don't care for Joe Biden to win. And some have even suggested they're, they're scared that if Biden wins, they'll be marginalized and no one will care anymore. The traditional liberals will go back to sleep because their old you know, Democrat blue man has won. And it's only because of Trump and the rage from the media that there are people in the street at all. The far left anti-capitalist types, the communist types will go out and protest, but will Black Lives Matter individuals? Maybe, but not nearly as much. So it's suggested. Now, in my opinion, the fact that they're still rioting, even though it's hurting Joe Biden, says to me, if Joe Biden gets elected, he will either cave to them and give them whatever they want, or it will only get worse because now you will have no federal authority to stop them. To the best of their ability, it would seem the feds have actually been getting, charging these people and arresting them from New York to Portland federal deputization of Oregon state police is dealing with the issue without sending in federal authorities. And it's very clever. Would Joe Biden do that? In my opinion, the answer is no. One way we can tell that the riots have backfired and may have already helped Trump is over at Civics, looking at a poll of 160,000 people. Take a look at this. Early on before George Floyd, we can see on on May 17th, 16% net support among all registered voters. Keep that in mind, 16%. George Floyd happened, and it hit 25. The Democrats saw something and said, capitalize. Unfortunately, they're now down to 12% net support. That's right. That is right. Because of the riots, net support for Black Lives Matter is lower now than before George Floyd. That, to me, says something powerful. The riots have destroyed gains that the left had made before the George Floyd incident. And that is why I say riots do not work. And that is why I tell people left or right, do not go out. Do not engage in violence. Do not attack people. Let law enforcement deal with this. You can peacefully protest. You can engage in civil disobedience. But engaging, you know, with other factions fighting with them, it is bad across the board and particularly for the right, because, you know, it will be framed against you no matter what you do. Never interrupt your opponent when they're making a mistake. So these riots are unleashed. And it's and it's shocking to me that support for Black Lives Matter was at 17 percent on May 25th. And now it's at 12. George Floyd, initially a boon, the riots destroyed that taking away 5 percentage points of support that's crazy to me absolutely crazy now since the jacob blake incident they went from 11% to 12 so there's a little uptick but they halved their support from the peak well, more so more than half and they've actually caused a net loss remarkable what that means is that democrats embracing of black lives matter is a net negative for them they jumped on board with this after the George Floyd incident, and now they're negative to where they were. Among independent voters, it's even worse. We can see that independent voters, 27% supported Black Lives Matter, and there was around 14% support, uh, percent support before George Floyd. Well, thanks to the riots, it is now at 11% among independent voters. It dropped down to about 9% just before Jacob Blake, and then afterwards up to eleven. But a little bit worse. A little bit worse. That's the backfire on the Democrats. One hundred percent. And they know it. And I think this shows how the polls are bad. But here's what I want to do. First, I want to show you this reaction which is hilarious. MIT Technology Review claims the riots are the result of right wing individuals covering the stories. Okay, no one is making these people go out and do this. You can't blame Andy No and Elijah Schaefer for this. But let me show you how people are really reacting on the ground to all of this far left absurdity. You may have seen the story. I covered it last night. 38% of sports fans say the NBA is too political as the reason they are watching less. Remarkable. The ratings for the NBA are down in one instance, around 40%, but overall around 27. And the plurality of those polled said The league has become too political. The clear choice with 38% of respondents and 19% said because of the NBA's association with China. Wow. I mean, that just shows straight up. Something's resonating among people as it pertains to Donald Trump's rhetoric. Black Lives Matter. We don't like it. China is bad. Yet the Democrats have either ignored and downplayed China or outright supported Black Lives Matter. Now, here's a story that I find to be the most fascinating. This shows that not only do they not like the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter, but the riots specifically and the calls to defund the police have triggered people who work within these companies to stand up and say no. Check this out. American Airlines faces boycott after allowing cabin crew to wear Black Lives Matter pins on uniforms. Furious staff and passengers claim move is anti-cop, racist and anti-American. Now, this to me is very interesting. Employees of American Airlines saying things like, My husband works in law enforcement and I am offended by this. Let, let's read. They say, In a company wide statement introducing the new policy, American Airlines wrote, Clearly, we live in a time where it is so important to have a dialogue about this important issue of racism in our society and try to find common, find common ground. America is truly committed, American, sorry, the airline, is truly committed to having an inclusive culture that is welcoming to all and a reflection of our country and world. This is why American is so committed to creating a more tolerant and diverse team. They go to mention that essentially people can wear lapel pins that say Black Lives Matter. But the move has sparked a backlash with one veteran flight attendant writing to American Airlines complaining in an email uh, obtained by the New York Post. It read, I take offense to this serious offense. My husband is a law enforcement officer and as was my deceased father. And as far as I'm concerned, all lives matter. I am completely disgusted at the fact that we can't show support for our God and country, our LEOs. But when it comes to Black Lives Matter organization, which is controversial in itself, American Airlines says that's obviously different, she wrote. And we can. How is that right? Well, I don't feel included. A second flight attendant who spoke to Fox News vowed to start wearing a badge in support of President Donald Trump on duty if others are permitted to wear BLM pins. The backlash of the new policy has also spread among, uh, among Air American Airlines passengers. Now, I'm not super concerned about the passengers themselves because conservatives speak up periodically. I mean, I remember when the Colin Kaepernick thing happened and they burned a bunch of their gear. I thought it was silly. But hey, speaking up is still an important thing. What I find fascinating here is that they're risking losing their jobs. That's what I've said for quite some time. If you oppose this stuff, if you're on the right, if you're conservative and this stuff worries you, you have to speak up against it. Now, American Airlines said no, you can't do you, you can't wear whatever you want because Black Lives Matter is not a political statement. It is, of course. It is an act blue funded organization. I believe the parent organization, the nonprofit is called Thousand Currents, and they receive donations through the Democrats Donation Portal Act Blue. Clearly. It is political and they are lying maybe to get around some kind of uh, uh, federal tax requirements or as an excuse to allow it while denying other people the same rights. But I'll tell you something. Seeing these flight attendants stand up is really interesting because it seems like you have women and men, this woman clearly saying her husband is in law enforcement, who are not happy with this. And that's a demographic the Democrats rely on. Women overwhelmingly support Black Lives Matter and men oppose it. Isn't that interesting? Well, take a look at this. Two Democratic strategists from Politico again, who recently viewed focus groups of suburban voters described high propensity voters increasingly concerned about unrest in urban centers, though both strategists said it was unclear whether that concern would push them to Biden or to Trump. One of the strategists described a focus group in which white college educated women reacted to the protests by discussing their own property values and in one woman's case her family's mortgage. Quote, white women who have college degrees are starting to get really sick of this, the strategist said. Now why is that so important? Let me bring you back to civics. And first, let's choose females. Their support for Black Lives Matter was around thirty percent before George Floyd, hit thirty-seven and dropped to twenty-five it is about double the national average among independents but let's say college graduate females among college graduate females it goes down <laughs> even more 22% that to me is surprising and it was 27% before these are the well the, well actually you know what let's 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 throw in postgraduate as well it's a, it's it's even higher these are women who are helping the Democrats win getting fed up with Black Lives Matter. Now, I guess it'd be fair to say that it doesn't really matter if it's a college educated woman or anyone else. We can see the Democrats and Black Lives Matter have wiped out their gains because of the riots, a huge net detriment to the movement, probably to their fundraising and and absolutely to local politicians. But to see it in the suburbs is particularly important. That's where Trump needs to win. Politico goes on to say, if civil unrest persists, said Robert Tatterson, secretary of the Democratic Party of Ozaukee County outside Milwaukee, Trump, quote, will be able to be the strong man. Only I can save you, leader. And that's playing out just like I had feared. The plus side is that it's activating the Democrats, Tatterson said. It's activated people on both sides. I don't know where the pendulum has swung, who has more people that were sitting on the sidelines who weren't maybe going to vote, who are going to vote now, or who were in the middle and as swayed. I don't know. Considering that the, the, the Democrats have lost their gains or that Black Lives Matter has lost their gains just before the George Floyd riots, it stands to reason that is a net detriment to them. And the pendulum is swinging for Donald Trump. That's the main point I want to ta- I want to take away from all this. We'll, we'll remove all any of these prerequisites and just look straight at. Do you support or oppose the Black Lives Matter movement? And before George Floyd, 17%. And now it's at 12. That's all that matters. You want to know who is seeing the hard gains from this? It is Donald Trump. Now, the support for Black Lives Matter was going up for some time. And it it crossed over into net support around 2018 in February. And since then, it has steadily increased. This is great news for Democrats. But will they win off of it? I don't think so. Because while we're seeing support for Black Lives Matter, and while Black Lives Matter is wildly popular among black voters, Trump is still seeing massive gains among black voters. So he may win some urban pockets and he may be taking suburban areas. And that's why Joe Biden probably panicked and fled. We can see it in sports and we can see it in jobs. Conservatives starting to stand up and push back. But I don't know what will happen because of mail-in voting, like I said very early on in the segment, and it may all just be meaningless. But let me end by saying one thing. Some people have pointed out maybe the Democrats' strategy is that they'll jam up the presidential election so that Nancy Pelosi will become president, interim president, until the election gets cleared up. Well, that's assuming the Democrats take the House. If the House elections finish with Republicans regaining majority, then it will not be Nancy Pelosi as speaker, will it? in which case it could be a republican all in all i'll tell you what there's no way that i'm looking at these polls and seeing this and joe biden is not i am convinced they realized they lost their gains among with black lives matter because of the riots and that's why biden is panicking and that's why i don't think these polls make sense the ones that are saying biden is still winning in the suburbs maybe he is and maybe biden was just trying to stop trump from taking the lead i'd be willing to bet however that trump's secret voters fears of cancel culture and anger over the riots have pushed Trump over the edge. And even Democrats are starting to feel like Trump's going to win. Just wait until the debates happen. I would be I would be shocked if they do. To be completely honest, there's no way Biden is going to get roasted hard. It's going to be funny and it's going to be sad. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCastNews. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Night 101 of the ongoing civil unrest, whatever you want to call it, in Portland. You know, the unrest that the uh, uh, mayor said would just go away if you gave these people space to do their thing. Call the police back. We don't need to arrest them. And the local DA who's far left is like, well, I'm not going to prosecute them. They're fighting for justice. They've got one of their allies working in the government and this is what happens. And notably that's why I'm like I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden because I want someone who's actually going to do something about it and Joe Biden's just negotiating with this with these people and refuses to say their name which is really creepy. Well the tactic now being used by the far left they've been using it for a while but they're escalating is to target locals in their neighborhoods and at their hom- uh, and, and at their homes. And I think it's sort of working. We'll see how it plays out. But already locals in Portland are complaining that they're getting tear gassed in their homes at night. I don't know if that will work the way Antifa hopes it will. Or Black Lives Matter will we'll hope it will. The general idea being that people can't complain to the cops. One local resident said he tried to talk to the police because there was tear gas in his house and they injured him. Yes, because those cops that are down there are dealing with a riot. There's fires burning in the streets, been going on for 100 plus days. You can't go out and talk to them. But what do you do when you get tear gassed in your own home? That's why Antifa is going to residential neighborhoods. They're effectively using these people as human shields. But we know they have nothing but disdain for regular people. We've seen it in Rochester, where they went to the restaurant, started knocking over tables and screaming at people and throwing things. Well, they're doing that more and more. And here's where it gets funny. They did it in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, they they stopped at like a diner. It was and there's outdoor patio seating, and they're screaming at people. And some lady walks up and grabs the, this this like elderly couple's drink and starts drinking. And they're like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And they're screaming at these old people. And then some dude like knocks glass like uh, glasses just off the table, shattering them. Not the most extreme thing I've ever seen, but definitely an attack on regular people. You know what? This one is kind of funny. Not necessarily funny, like haha, but maybe a little bit cathartic. You see, there's a politician who's running for office in Pittsburgh named Sean Parnell. I had him on the the Timcast IRL podcast. And one of the things we talked about was that he put out an ad focused on the far left, how they're destroying statues and that there is a war for the heart and soul of our country from these these extremists. Local newspaper criticized him over it. Well, I'll tell you what, man, you better hope, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, you better hope They only go so far as to steal a a drink from an elderly elderly couple while screaming at them that they're racist and then smashing the glass in front of them, which is pretty extreme already. But you better hope it stops there because they're marching more than once now through your community where you said Sean was wrong. One of the only politicians to actually point this out. Well, I'll tell you what, Sean isn't wrong. He's just calling it out before most people see it. And if you ignore his warning, you will get this. Night 101 of protests where residents are being tear gassed in their own homes. We've seen what happens in Portland, but you know what? We can do better, they say. We need reason and common good. Oh, you want common good with the people from outside of Portland who are coming in and attacking local residencies? Spray painting on buildings, climbing on people's property. That's what you want common ground with? Okay, okay, I'll, I'll make a deal with you. All right, let's let's try and figure out where, where the negotiating begins. OK, how about when they come to your neighborhood, they only spray paint F the police on every third house. Is that a good compromise? OK, OK, well, how about they only spray paint F on the houses? Where, where do you want to draw the line? Where do you want to compromise with them? What, which, which part? OK, how about they only throw rocks at uh, uh, every, every uh, we'll, we'll take half the rocks away and they won't throw them at you because uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reduce the amount they're attacking you. Is that the compromise you want? Is that the common the common ground that we're supposed to find with these people? Are we supposed to negotiate with them? Do you see there's, there's a viral video right now? Andy No put it up. Actually I might I might actually have it. Yeah, here it is. Quote You're setting fires in the streets asks a black female driver tonight who was stopped by antifa rioters in North Portland, get out of my way. She refuses to follow their orders. In this video, a group of white people wearing masks with a history of violence targeting black communities, looting and burning are stopping a black woman from moving. And she accuses them of calling her a racial slur and then call someone out by name. Now they claim that didn't happen. No one said that. And she goes, yeah, it was this person. Okay. What do you call that? I'll tell you what I call it. (laughs) I call it racism. So here's what I want to show you first. I'm not going to go through all the finer details of what's happening in Portland because you get it. But I want to show you one thing and then talk about how they're targeting regular people and how you've got these these people have blinders on. They're not paying attention to what's happening. Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Downplayed what was happening. Well, now it's coming to Pittsburgh. Check this out. Portland police said, "You know, look, there's a riot, blah blah blah. Stay safe. They're starting fires in the streets. They have a list of all the arrests made, and many of these people are from Portland. But check this out. One person, unknown residence. We've got one person, San Francisco, Oregon City, Mesa, Arizona, Sacramento, more Portland. We've got Vancouver, Washington. That's that's still close to Portland, uh, and 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 Utah." Many of the people who are arrested don't actually live in Portland. These are the tourists. These are people who come from outside of Portland to engage in violence. And people from Portland go to other areas to engage in violence. And this is the goal. A southeast Portland resident said his home was filled with tear gas after police declared a riot on 100 consecutive night of protests in the city. The declaration was made after someone threw what authorities described as firebombs toward the police. More than 50 people were arrested overnight. You see the video that's going viral. People like play the song Footloose and the guy's like jumping up and down because he bursts. His his legs are on fire because he got hit with a Molotov. They're throwing Molotovs at the police. They're throwing Molotov cocktails at the police departments. They tried cementing the door shut. uh, I think this was the East Precinct in Seattle and then burning it down with Molotovs before fleeing. These people are psychotic and they've been doing this for a very long time. And lots of people are dead. That's why it's funny when I see this article from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We we need reason and common ground. How, how dare Sean Parnell, a Republican, say it's bad that violent extremists are attacking people and getting them tear gassed in their own homes? Yes, common ground. OK, I'll tell you what. How about you only throw Molotovs on every second night of rioting? Is that the compromise? I mean, obviously, you can say don't throw Molotov cocktails, but then they're just not rioting anymore. Well, that's not fair. We need common ground with these people, right? They say the events unfolded in a residential area of Southeast Portland near Ventura Park after police refused to let people march in the, to the East Precinct. When demonstrators decided to march anyway, they were met with a line of police in the middle of Southeast Stark Street. That's when someone threw a Molotov cocktail, according to police. Yes, we've seen the videos. <laughs> There's a guy on fire. A Coin 6 News crew saw at least two flaming objects thrown that started a fire when they hit the ground. At least one person was injured their shoes catching fire. Yes, we've all seen this. And you hear glass shatter. It was a Molotov cocktail. Police declared a riot and deployed tear gas, which filled the neighborhood with clouds of gas. Some neighbors were caught in the crossfire between protesters and police and said tear gas leaked into their homes. One man said his home was so full of gas, his 13-year-old son and his friends were screaming inside their home, trying to wash out their eyes in the sink. I opened the door to the garage that leads to my kitchen. As soon as I opened the door, my eyes immediately started burning. The whole house is filled with tear gas, said resident Elijah Warren. I don't even know what it uh, what is at the time because I don't know what's going on. Warren also said he was injured when he went outside to see what was going on. He said he was talking to an officer about the impact the gas was having on his son when another officer came up and hit him, giving him a concussion. He was actually listening to me. He was taking the time to listen like, oh, okay, this is a neighbor, said Warren. And the other one just hit me. He said he was hit from behind in the back of his head. Warren said it took a minute for him to realize he was bleeding from his ear and said he kept trying to explain that this was his home and he wasn't a protester. I'm screaming at them like I'm not part of the protest. You guys were in my neighborhood. Warren said he needed stitches and spent several hours in the hospital overnight, but that the worst part was the impact it had on his son and his son's friend. Hearing both of them screaming, it's like my son and his friend should even have to go through none of that. We were just sitting in our house; we weren't part of anything. Said Warren. You see, well, that was that was a a mess up by the police. Cops should not have attacked some dude from behind when he was just talking to somebody. But here, therein lies the big problem. I've seen this play out in New York during Occupy Wall Street. It's actually a funny story. There was a court hearing for a bunch of people got arrested early on, and one dude was like where it was an older guy wearing a suit and he was screaming. Apparently I wasn't, I was outside the court when this was happening, but this is what I was told by people inside that this guy said that he went to a bodega, you know, to get a, uh, he was going to get an orange soda. And when he walked out of the store, he was inside the net where the cops had just kettled, they call it kettling, all of the protesters. And when he tried telling the police, he was just buying a soda. They took, they told him to shut up. He ended up getting arrested. And then he's in court. Like I was just buying a soda. Why did I get arrested? It happens. And these, these extremists use this tactic on purpose to force people to join the fray. Well, you know what? The cop acted a fool, and now the cops are going to have to pay for it. This guy should not have gone to the hospital. He should not have been hit. And it's unfortunate, especially because the other cop was listening to him. But some, some dumb cop with bad training, we didn't know what he was doing, just walked up and hit him. And that's what the far left wants. They know the holes in the system, they will exploit the system. And you will end up with guys like this in the hospital. And now he's going to be mad and he's going to say, why am I getting hit? Now, maybe these residents will understand that it was started by the far left and the far left is coming to their neighborhoods on purpose. But this is the point. They want to shock local residents by the actions of the police. The only problem with this tactic is that often it ends up with the protesters attacking the local residents first and foremost. There's, there's, there's other groups that use tactics like this. They'll stage their headquarters in hospitals and schools. And you, you, you might know what I'm talking about. The point is they want civilian human shields. They want the police to say, we can't use tear gas. Regular people are sleeping right now. That's what they want. And then when the cops don't, when the cops just engage in their normal you know crowd control behavior, they end up attacking a local resident. To be fair, I don't think any cop should walk up to anyone and club them on the back of the head if they're talking to another cop. You can just say, move along, sir, instead of hitting them. So that that cop, I mean, they should get in trouble, hands down. I'm not sure we'll actually see this. I think it's fair to point out I'm for police reforms, but I think these far leftists need to be stopped first and foremost. Now, let's, let's talk about Pittsburgh. Let's talk about the Republican race. Pittsburgh cops investigate video appearing to show protesters clash with diners. Protests have erupted in major cities across the U.S., This we know. They say authorities in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, said they are investigating a newly released video that appeared to show protesters confronting outdoor diners in the city's downtown area on Saturday. One of the videos that were posted online appeared to show a man holding a megaphone calling diners at the establishment an embarrassment. Some of the diners can be seen getting up from their seats. Another protester could be seen giving an elderly couple the middle finger before someone else walks over to the pair, takes what appears to be a full glass of beer, drinks the entire glass. Another protester smashed a wine glass. More than one, mind you. They say reportedly, it's on video. You see him do it. He like knocks it off the table. These old people are just sitting there confused. Some people get up and leave. This is how it starts. You don't know what's going to happen. You, you don't, you don't, the people of Pittsburgh, you don't want to know what's going to co- hap- happen next if this is not stopped. If you keep voting in people who support this. If you get a district attorney like the one in Portland, man, I I'm more war- I'm ugh. maybe the warnings don't matter. Maybe the warnings don't matter. Maybe they do. We'll see how this plays out. You got Sean Parnell versus Connor Lan. The Democrats have actively supported these groups. These people who attacked the diners? are not chanting, you know, something like like, like where we go one we go. They're screaming Black Lives Matter in your faces. They're not yelling anti-capitalista, they are screaming Black Lives Matter, coming to your restaurants, smashing your glasses and taking your stuff. This is just the beginning. You don't want to see what happens when these people are emboldened because the DA won't arrest them. Pittsburgh, do you want 101 nights of violent riots like Portland? Because that's what happens in Portland when you vote for these people. The apparent protester who gave the couple the middle finger laughed during the interaction. They were chanting, no justice, no peace, and F the police. The scene was reminiscent of the videos of Black Lives Matter protesters who screamed at people in Washington, D.C. late last month over the shooting of James Blake. Frederick Kunkel, a Washington Post staff writer, posted a video Tuesday on Twitter that showed a crowd of protesters gathering closely around a woman identified as Lauren Victor as she sat outside on on a sidewalk. It was a patio restaurant. The group demanded she raise her fist in solidarity as they chanted, "White silence is violence. No justice, no peace." WTAE.com, a Pittsburgh station, reported late Sunday that authorities are looking into the video from the restaurant and another that apparently showed a man carrying a bike who was hit by a demonstrator. And this is what this this is is, is this what we get from from our local outlets? Ah, the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. You see, I've used one of their stories uh, before, notably when somebody. These, these uh, uh, far left Black Lives Matter individuals were traveling through Pennsylvania on their way to D.C. and got into a shootout with locals. I'm not kidding. A shootout. No joke. And they say this? Now, I would have I figured after the shootout, they'd say something like, wow, maybe we were wrong about Sean Parnell, and we really need to consider what's happening in this country. Fighting off a sneeze, forgive me. But they don't. Instead, they just carry on like normal. Here's the story they wrote. I won't read all of it. They say in a campaign video, Mr. Parnell, who is challenging incumbent Connor Lamb, provided a bleak rendering of the national scene. The enemies of America are here on our soil, the candidate asserts, and they're trying to burn our country to the ground. Showing footage of statues being toppled, Mr. Parnell says the U.S. is a nation at war, whether we'd like to admit it or not. He says the goal of the mob is to destroy our way of life because they hate America, they hate our history, and they hate you. And he's right. That's why they attack locals. That's why they bring the fight to your homes. They don't like you. They don't like what you own. They don't like that you're eating a chicken sandwich and having a nice beer on a sunny afternoon in a downtown area on a patio. They hate that. They push revisionist history like the 1619 project, which we know is fake. They, it's absolutely fake. And we know that they say their goal is to disrupt the nuclear family. That's Black Lives Matter a top-down national organization that has people marching through the streets across the country, attacking regular people, and no one from their organization will say anything bad about it because it's by design. So Sean Parnell steps up. He says the goal of the mob, you know, they hate you. He also says the Democratic Party has been hijacked by communist revolution with revolutionaries. Fight with me. Fight now. He's not wrong. This was my main segment, youtube.com slash Timcast, yesterday local sheriffs, council members, mayors are ditching the Democratic Party because it's exactly what Sean Parnell was talking about. One of the few politicians to point this out. Well, you know what? You know what, Sean? Maybe the mistake you made is that you caught it early. Maybe your experience actually fighting overseas and witnessing how this starts and how this plays out and what it results in gave you insight that they cannot yet understand. And that's unfortunate, actually, the unfortunate privilege of being ahead of the market. See, these people at these news outlets are like, oh, nothing's happening. But I, I seem to recall the the Black Lives Matter mobs smashing up the front of CNN. You know, just the other day, they spray painted on a building, killed the press. But see, these people at the, at the Pittsburgh Post, Post-Gazette aren't paying attention. They don't know. They're, the problem we have with all these journalists is they're not actually inquisitive or, or investigating anymore. How many nights of riots do you need before you're like, maybe this dude's right. Maybe he's right. They say this is not helpful. There is a mob out there, but they're a relatively small number of people driven by emotion An equally emotional response to them fixes. Nothing builds. Nothing helps no one. I completely disagree. It is not a small group of people. That's the lie. Or that's the misconception. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that as a, you know, they're not a national paper, and maybe they don't realize what's happening across this country. It is not a small group of people. 10% of the CDC wants racism to be declared a national health crisis. 10%, 1,200 people. That's a federal agency. The ideology of these people, the violence they, they, they espouse, it's probably in the hundreds of thousands actively on the ground. That is not a small group of people. I guess technically it is because we have 328 million people. But when you consider that after the extremists, you have their lackeys who push their ideology and are trying to get it implemented across the board in all our cultural institutions and governmental institutions. We got a serious problem. You see, what they won't tell you is that I'll say the Boston Red Sox schlopped Black Lives Matter just right. Run right on a big old banner, and the organization itself wants to, for one, disrupt the nuclear family. Many of their leaders are avowed Marxists, and it's, I know it sounds ridiculous, but they've said it in interviews. They do not like America, and that is why they were revising our history with things like the 1619 Project. They just happen to have a militant wing. Now, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, these journalists, the editorial board, they don't actually know. They're not paying attention, or it's possible they're actively lying to protect them. Like we see at the New York Times, mostly peaceful protests gave way. No, no, no. The quote was peaceful protests gave, gave way to burning buildings and looting or whatever. Oh, yes. Peaceful protests. CNN. Now, there are fires raging behind me, but the protest is peaceful. Shit. No, it's not. Shut up. But they've been doing it nonstop. And it's only with the help of the press that they're able to do it. Now, there's two scenarios I think we can highlight here. The far left knows these journalists are really bad at their jobs, like really bad. Like heaven forbid the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette actually did any research into this then they'd actually understand what was going on. They'd be like, maybe Sean is just a little bit ahead of, you know, he's making a prediction of how bad things might actually get. And we should, we should consider this because I mean, let's think about it this way. Would you prefer if you have like, you know, here's a good analogy. You ever get a crack in your windshield and you've got that little hole and your friends are like, you better get that sealed. Otherwise it's going to spiderweb. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then it splits and like fractures the whole windshield. Oh man, that sucks. Huh? That's what's going on right now. You're, you, got a, you got a guy driving the car, and you're in the passenger seat saying, "Hey man, you should, you should, we should take this to the shop and get that sealed. Otherwise, it's going to get worse." And then you've got the journalist in the back saying, "It's a tiny little spot. It doesn't even matter. I mean, yeah, there's a crack in the windshield. It's not even that big. It's like, who cares? We can do better. We don't need you hounding us about how we gotta go to the mechanic or the glass shop to get it repaired." And then, sure enough, you know, time goes by, and now the windshield's totally screwed. And you can't use it. And you got the whole thing replaced. And, you know, you no longer have a windshield. That's what's going on. The far left is that crack and we can all see it. And it's been spider webbing because of outlets like this that are ignoring it, saying, so what? Who cares? I know it's now come to our neighborhood. Will they come out now and say we were wrong and we're sorry these old people were attacked at the patio? No, they're going to say it was just one elderly couple who had their their drink stolen and wine glass smashed in front of them. It was just a couple families that were chased out of the restaurant by a screaming mob. (laughs) It's not like a large group of people. Well, it was a large group of people doing it, but it's not like it's everywhere. There are two big lies right now to pay attention to. The first is that the riots aren't even widespread. They're in key areas of the city. Yes, that's always how it is. That's what a riot is. Since, Since when was a riot? Literally every city block bursting into flames. The next big lie they do, and I love this one, is the 93% one. 93% of all the protests were peaceful. According to that report, they found something like 570 or 540 violent riots in 220 different locations. And they say, but you had 2,400 locations that were peaceful. Therefore, 93% was peaceful. Let's play a game. Imagine if 93% of airplanes successfully made it to their destinations. The other 7%. Imagine if 93% of your food was safe to eat. Yes, that would mean that every couple of months you would get violently ill or potentially die. Imagine if, I don't know, 93% of COVID patients survived a 7% mortality rate. That would be unacceptable to anyone planes must make it. I think it's like 99.9999999999999999% of flights make it to their destination. I think it's actually that technically around 100% of the food you eat is safe. Maybe 999 because sometimes you get food poisoning, but you don't die from it. And it's actually like 99.8% of people survive COVID or something like that. But they're going to tell you, we don't care about the 7% that are violent riots that are destroying everything because they're mostly peaceful. Those are the lies. Pay attention to them. And when you see outlets like this telling you to sit down and shut up and criticizing the people who are challenging them, I wonder where are their loyalties like that? Like many of these news outlets, they're they're hiring these extremists. It's not like literally everyone throws the brick. There are a group of people on the far left who are psychotic who throw bricks, and there are a group of people on the left who are psychotic who push the ideology and lie to protect these people. Don't wait until it comes to your neighborhood to call it out. And that's why I'm appreciative of Sean Parnell, though I don't agree with him on everything. At least he's talking about it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. Welcome, my friends, to sunny and beautiful California, where rolling blackouts threaten local residents, where plague has reemerged for the first time in five years and homelessness is a rampant and ongoing problem. My friends, I give you one party control of a state. Now, to be fair, I'm not going to blame California for natural disasters. I didn't mention in that little opening segment the wildfires that are underway and the massive heat wave, because for the most part, those things you can't really control. I mean, you, you you can make some arguments about climate change and, and stuff like that, but I'm not going to blame, you know, Newsom or Garcetti because it's hot outside. I mean, that happens. But when it comes to plague, to be fair, that is kind of an act of nature. But there is a serious problem with California and one party con- uh, one party control where they can't deal with the problems that they're facing. It is because of their policies. They're facing rolling blackouts. It is because of their policies. They have a massive homelessness problem, which creates a serious risk with the reemergence of plague. For quite some time, people have been concerned that because of all the homelessness, there'd be rats running around and there would be a typhoid outbreak. And then there was (laughs) there was now because of covid, which I'm not going to blame California for. We see way more homeless people, way, way more homelessness. Now, I can blame them for the homelessness because this has been an ongoing problem they haven't they have not been able to solve. And I think it's due to the fact there's no political competition. There's no one offering up any alternatives to Californians as to solve these problems. So the only direction they can go is left. And we should look to California for what the future of our country could be if there is no right wing, just a overpowered left wing dominating social media, dominating mainstream media in our corporations and a weakened right that is continually getting banned and removed from the conversation. This is what will happen if the left just runs rampant without any checks. The Republicans and the right are not always correct, but you need an argument from both sides to make sure when we do progress, we progress in a way that benefits us, not in a way that results in stage two emergencies because of rolling blackouts. Now many people are going to come up and say, Tim, the rolling blackouts are because of the heat wave. That's not fair. Oh, 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 oh I know. I know this. Also, for, for, for just to be fair, they successfully navigated this without any blackouts yesterday. So good for them, but why do they have to declare these emergencies? You see, the Wall Street Journal wrote about this a couple of weeks ago when it did happen. And I'll tell you, it's because of their policies. And, and and in my opinion, it's because we have entered this realm of politics where Democrats and Republicans don't want to bother fighting for certain areas. Uh, California, it's two thirds Democrat. Why bother? We'll never win there again, say Republicans. And thus, and, and, and and I mean, in many of these big cities, obviously there are Republican parts of California. But because of this, Republicans don't bother fighting in Los Angeles counties or things like that. In many jurisdictions like AOCs, for instance, they don't really even have any Republican contender. This is all changing now. And I think it's a really good and healthy thing for this country, especially considering how insane the left has already gotten. But let's take a look at some of these stories. And then we'll, we'll talk about the nature of the uh, of politics and how it's affecting it by highlighting how the Wall Street Journal says their their policies have caused these rolling blackouts. Take a look at this. This is yesterday. Rolling blackouts likely with California power grid expected to near record demand due to extreme heat. They say, though Californians on Saturday avoided rolling blackouts, Sunday's extreme heat threatens to bring record breaking demand for energy that could strain the state's power grids. The California Independent System Operator, which runs the uh, electrical grid for most of the state, declared a stage two emergency around 6 p.m. and said rotating power outages are likely on Sunday. Declaring an emergency allows the grid operator to use reserve power and tap into emergency assistance from neighboring authorities. The ISO called the emergency after a transmission line carrying power from Oregon to California and another part of the state power plant went offline unexpectedly the operator said in a news release. OK, human error, mistakes. Sometimes things break. I don't know. But that is not an, an act of nature. As California sweltered under triple digit temperatures and officials grapple with fire caused power grid system failures, the state is working to free up energy capacity during the Labor Day weekend, according to Governor Gavin Newsom's office. Here's my favorite part about all this is Labor Day. How's your Labor Day going? We're going to be firing up the grill soon. Hope you guys are doing something similar. You got a lot of people who want to go to the beach. Now, in California, they got very, very strict COVID rules. I don't know how it pertains to beaches. I know that there was a story run in the Daily Mail that New York was planning on, on arresting tons of people because it's Labor Day weekend and people want to go to the beach. So think about that. You've got an electri- electrical crisis. You need people to turn the power off because the grid's going to fail. And then when people are like, hey, how about we go outside? You're like, whoa, whoa, COVID, man. So there you go. Rocking a hard place. I'll tell you what. But let's talk about what's going on. They actually hold on. We got more. They say to reduce demand, the state is asking large commercial and public energy consumers to shift their usage away from peak hours. On Thursday, the governor declared a state of emergency, suspending regulations to create more energy and reduce demand on the grid in order to stave off potential blackouts. And there it is suspend regulations. I love it. Guess what? It ain't gonna work. You know why? Because those fossil fuel power plants that you regulated ceased to exist because they were regulated. Oh, I love it. You know what, man? I am all about renewable energies. But there are serious questions that I have asked and many others have asked. How are you going to store power at night when there's no sun? What if there is no wind? What if your geothermal eventually runs out? I don't know. Actually, geothermal lasts a really long time, so that's probably a dumb one. But what are you, you going to do? And not not everywhere has access to geothermal energy or, or or a place where they can you know essentially get geothermal. You need batteries, and that means you need way better battery tech. And we're working on this, and I'm excited for it. And I'd love to see us get away from renewable energies. And I think nuclear energy is a is a massively underutilized tool. And it's because of the left. Man, I tell you, we, we can't win on this one, can we? You complain about carbon emissions. We say, what about new technologies and nuclear energy so that we can generate tons of energy and not have to worry about carbon emissions? Say nuclear is bad and dangerous and we're scared. Okay, well then, if you want to regulate something, regulate safety protocols for nuclear power plants. Something like that, right? Well, let's jump over. First, to be fair, I want to make sure I can highlight. What? what uh, oh, wait, wait, no, that's them making fun of Garcetti. I want to make sure I highlight the temperatures. Okay, they hit the highest temperature on record ever. One area, 121 degrees. So to be fair, even with the changes they've made, I don't think anybody expected 121 degrees to hit California. But here's what we get. California's blackout warning from the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal opinion section. Anti-fossil fuel mandates are leading to electricity shortages. It's time to get out of California, man. It is. Look, I think humans have to be particularly careful about how we extract resources and the impact we are having on the rest of this planet. We are seeing ocean f- fisheries. We get a lot of our food from there are starting to collapse. They're being replaced by jellyfish. Kind of gross. People have started eating jellyfish. Also kind of gross. But I'll tell you what, food's food. You know, if, if you think jellyfish is gross, maybe you just haven't tried it. I don't know. Jellyfish is mostly nothing. So we'll see how that plays out. But I think humans can adapt I think we can survive uh, most things. But I am I am I am uh, somebody who thinks we must protect the ecosystem. We are this, this planet is not just people. Trees have to function, the animals within these these forests and jungles have to function. So I'm all about protecting the environment. However, some people have asked an interesting question. What's the point of protecting the environment to save humans if humans don't exist? If humans curtail themselves and it creates more suffering and death, well, we got a serious problem. I'll tell you what. We do have problems. I mean, humans have kids. We reproduce. We're successful, like really successful. We've got tons of food. We take over more space. We expand rapidly. How do we deal with that? Perhaps the answer is with Donald Trump and Elon Musk. Musk, of course, wants to go to Mars. Trump wants to do the, um, what is it called? The Artemis project, I think, where we go to the moon and then from the moon to Mars. These things are really important in helping humans survive without decimating the planet. But in their zealousness, the left has enacted policies before we, were, before we were ready to do so, I guess. You take a look at people like Greta Thunberg and she says, shut it all down. No fossil fuels. We're not going to wait till 2030. We don't even want to wait till 2021. Do it now. People will die. And now we're seeing a glimpse of this. Y'all need to calm down. Now, I am absolutely in favor of curtailing carbon emissions. Hey, nuclear energy. How about that? Let's talk to China. Let's talk to, in, talk to India but this is what you get. Let me read this. They say electricity blackouts are awful at any time, but especially during an extreme heat wave. And for reasons that are man-made. that's what millions of in California have been enduring in recent days. And their plight is a warning to the rest of America about the risks of Green New Deal policies. The California Independent System Operator, CAISO, which manages the state's power grid, declared a high level emergency Friday and Saturday evenings and ordered utilities to reduce power usage. California and most of its southwestern and most of the southwestern U.S. are experiencing a severe heat wave, but other states are managing to keep power flowing. Why can't California? You see, even though there's a natural disaster or some kind of natural phenomenon, other states are fine. Now, mind you, this is from August. It's happening again a month later. You'd think they'd figure something out by now. They say California last experienced rolling blackouts in 2001 amid energy market manipulation by speculators. This time, the cause is energy market manipulation by anti-fossil fuel politicians. Democrats have mandated that renewables account for 60% of state electricity by 2030, which has forced power providers to invest in renewable energy sources now to meet the deadline. The result is something of a Rube Goldberg physics experiment. During peak daylight hours, California produces a surplus of solar energy, and power generators may be ordered or paid to cut back their production so the grid isn't overloaded. On Friday and Saturday, Kaisa reported about 1000 megawatt hours were curtailed enough to power 30,000 homes. This year, 1.3 million megawatt hours of power have been curtailed. That's a lot of power. But this means supply shortages can occur in the evening when solar energy plunges, but demand for power remains high. That's what happened this weekend. Many natural gas and nuclear plants that can generate power 24 seven have shut down in recent years because they can't compete with heavily subsidized green energy. Nuclear energy is green energy, Okay, We've got to get people to realize this. Nuclear energy does not produce carbon emissions. It is green in that regard. A 10 year old natural gas power plant. And and, and I'm pretty sure natural gas doesn't either. I'm pretty sure natural gas burns off clean, doesn't it? becomes like water I don't I, you know what I'm sorry man I don't know enough about this. They say a 10year old natural gas power plant in California's inland Empire is being decommissioned this year 20 to 30 years earlier than its planned lifespan. State water regulations are also forcing the shutdown of peaker plants along the coast that can quickly ramp up generation when the sun goes down. This is why the Public Utilities Commission last year warned the state could face an energy shortage as early as 2021 on hot summer evenings. Well, it happened a year early. I love it. This is one party rule. Look what's happening in the Democrat states. We've been locked down for how long? It's insane. You go to Florida and you're at the movies having a cheeseburger like normal. Well, so I hear I live in New Jersey, which has been nothing but psychotic authoritarian lockdown. You have these Democrats who are like, I refuse to take responsibility. Therefore, we do nothing. And that's what's been happening in California. Case in point, the NIMBY problem in Los Angeles pertaining to homelessness. They all say, well, we're going to solve the homeless problem and help all of these people. And then once they get elected, as per usual, they go, hey, not in my backyard. I'm not going to do anything about it because I don't want to be responsible. If I build affordable housing for homeless people and mental health facilities, to try and help them, the neighbor's property value will go down and they'll get mad at me. So, how about I do literally nothing and say, but you can't blame me because other people are homeless? My favorite part is how they try and deflect as much of the blame onto other people as possible. They say, the, uh, this is why the Pacific uh, warned in 2021 on hot summer evenings, the power could go out. That day has arrived a year early. Congratulations to Democrats for beating their own forecasts. Bravo. What is it uh, uh, um, a year early and under budget. Not in a good way though. When they can't get it. Californians already pay twice as much for electricity as Washington Washingtonians and a third more than Nevadans because the spot price for power in the summer can surge more than 30-fold from noon to dusk. Utilities are building expensive batteries to store solar energy that can be released in the evening, which is cool. They say that will save money, but that's also what they said about Jerry Brown's failed bullet train. Yikes. To sum up, California's antipathy even to natural gas and nuclear power has resulted in higher energy prices and now power surpluses and shortages because renewables are intermittent energy sources. The Sacramento Democrats want to take this policy nationwide via Joe Biden, so prepare for hot summer nights. This is one of the reasons why I am no fan of Joe Biden. Yes. And I believe Kamala Harris, they're also in favor of these policies. Listen, I early on when they announced the Green New Deal, there there was nothing behind it. They were like, we just want the government to invest in green technology. And I'm like, that's a good idea. I I like that idea. You know, if if we can uh, reallocate to better technology, regardless of the technology, better living through technology, right? The problem is when they put these timetable mandates, you can't mandate tech, You can't mandate technology be developed. That makes literally no sense. They're like, we're going to end fossil fuels right now with renewable energy, even though there's nothing to replace it. So people are going to suffer because of that. Now, I understand hard decisions sometimes have to be made. And you would be a fool if you thought there would never be a sacrifice for the greater good. But we want to avoid that to the best of our abilities. The challenge, I suppose, is the politics of climate change. In California, they say things like, we have no time. We must do this, even though China and India are going to keep going and won't stop. So what do you do when they don't? Honestly, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. Nuclear energy, natural gas, they're great. Why are they being shuttered? It's an inadvertent, uh, it's an unintended consequence, I suppose, of mass subsidies for solar and and wind power, now that kind of sucks. i got to be honest i I think subsidizing in uh, you know solar and wind can be a good thing, but maybe what we really need is market competition. Maybe there's a point where the government realizes you can't just pay things you uh, command economies don't work now I'm all in favor of a mixed economy okay the s- communism and socialism are command economies where a centralized group determines where the resources go. That results in major problems because one person or a committee is nowhere near as powerful in terms of their their, their ability to calculate than a decentralized distributed network of individuals who make choices that move in a certain direction. I think we need the government to make sure we're not building things that will kill us because someone needs to pay attention to that stuff. You know, if, if you have no centralized focus at all, well, then you can run amok and you could do, you know, things that could be really damaging to the planet. But if you go into the command, uh, command economy space where they're like, let's take money from people by force and then build these things that we think are better, therein lies the big problem. Here's what I think needs to happen. Well, actually, I should walk that back. I don't know if I'm smart enough to tell you what should happen, but I will tell you this we can't rush into these things. And the concern from the left is very zealous. They keep telling us we have 12 years, we have 10 years, we have eight years. But I've been hearing that my entire life, I think, we will adapt. And we are facing serious problems. But I don't think the world is ending. I think that's kind of nuts. If we follow this path of California, it's going to hit the rest of the country. The scariest part about all of this is that we're, we're, we're told routinely, California is the future of the rest of this country. Now, what happens in California a few years later happens to the rest of the country. Now, that's a scary prospect because the zealotry of these emotional of these individuals reacting emotionally results in poor planning. Was it the intent to shut down nuclear power plants? I don't think it was. Maybe it was. They hate nuclear power, too, and that's ridiculous. Listen, we have a lot of humans. They're alive. They have rights and we want to make sure they, that their needs are met. They tell us at the same time they want to end poverty, but that's literally impossible to do because poverty is relative to the current state of our standard of living. No, uh, if, if, if you took everybody from, uh, you know, from today and brought them back, every single person to like the year 1900, they would all be the richest people in existence at the time. If you took everybody from 1900 and brought them here today, they would all be considered, for the most part, poor. Even the richest people, because they didn't have access to any of the things we do. like TVs, air conditioning, refrigerators, clean running water. Even the wealthy people barely had access to the things we do. They didn't have planes, so they couldn't fly wherever they wanted. We can. They'd come here and be like, I've never flown before. I've never been able to fly. And that's, well, not necessarily poverty, but it kind of is. So the point is, Right now, with all these initiatives coming from the left, what what's what they're doing actually is making homelessness worse, straight up. Policies have made, made the problem worse. They seem to think you can just shove people in hotels like they do in New York. That's not the issue. You got a lot of problems. They've made the issue uh, from this. They've made the issue of disease spread worse. Now we've got poop patrol in San Francisco. We've got power plants shutting down. And I'll tell you what, man, I've been to California and I've seen some of the issues during the drought one of the big uh, one of the things they want to do was desalinate uh, what was it called desalination they want to pump water from the ocean filter out the salt and spit the brine back out and that kills the bottom it, it, it creates dead zones because what happens is the brine sinks to the bottom in the ocean in, in, in uh, on the shoreline killing all of the, the ground level plants and animals and then everything above it can't eat so then they die too And a lot of people are concerned. Activists are like, dude, you can't just do this. But we need water. Yes, we do. There are serious problems that we're facing. And California is an example of what not to do. We need market competition and we need entrepreneurial individuals with a pioneer spirit to eventually say California is just too much right now. There's not enough space. There's not enough water. The heat is too much. It's time to leave. But instead, what happens? They stay there. They demand aid from the federal government. They demand that we make ridiculous changes to the power grid and everyone suffers because of it. You get mass homelessness. And instead of solving the problem, they say throw money at it. And they don't solve the problem. What needs to happen is people need to leave. Finally, stop saying you must save me and say, I'm going to leave and go find my own way to survive. Otherwise, you will just keep experiencing worse and worse problems. Because if nobody, if people in California just stay and keep doing what they're doing and demanding more help and assistance, it will only get worse. I think one of the biggest problems we have right now is not overpopulation. It's overly dense population in key areas. And that's why there's a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to COVID. People are fleeing California, especially with the heat wave and the power outages. People are saying enough. So maybe that's what will really happen. Their policies failed. People will leave. And that's and that's it. The problem I see is these people will leave and take their policies with them. You should learn a lesson. I'm not convinced they will. But I'll tell you, man, I don't know when California will finally have a reckoning, but I will say it is incumbent upon Republicans to actually spend money challenging these deep blue areas of the country, not because I agree with them, but because we need political competition. We're starting to see it. I'm excited for it. I want to see I want to see AOC run because she won, she wins the primary. Right. And then she goes when, once she won the primary, she's like, I've been elected to Congress. And it's like, no, you didn't. You won like 15000 votes. You're in a district of 750,000. You didn't win anything. Oh, but no one is running against you. How absurd. People need to challenge her. They are. There are Republicans in NY 14. And I want to see those debates And they should happen. And the people need to hear these ideas. Because if they don't know the ideas exist, they won't know they like them or they won't entertain them. And you will get more one party rule in key areas and it will just be bad. Let's shake everything up a little bit. And I mean that in a good way like people can get up and move and it's happening. So I'm actually excited to see what comes from this. Now I feel bad for the people of California, but hey, you reap what you sow. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is a different channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Angry salon customers have descended on the home of Nancy Pelosi, hanging up hair curlers on trees, I guess. And they're angry that she went out maskless to get her hair done when you're not allowed to do it. Now, I got to say a couple things about this, and then we'll read about what's going on in the press with these protests and the view of them. I'm actually not a big fan of this. Now, first and foremost, nonviolent civil disobedience, especially the kind where they didn't actually get arrested or do anything arrest worthy. I do like, I think if you're going to go out and protest and you're going to block a street or something and you end up getting arrested, I'm, I'm actually okay with that within reason that you're like pushing on the line. And it's a normal, it's the normal course of nonviolent protest. It can be annoying. I get it, but as long as the people aren't violent, and I guess when it, when it happens nonstop all day every day, it can can be a little over the top, but within reason, that's kind of the limit for me. However, a protest like this, where they go to someone's home, kind of crosses the line for me. I I, I don't think anybody should be going to the private homes of people. And I don't care if you're on the left or the right. There's I don't know, at least for now, maybe, you know, maybe when things were calmer and more simmered down, it'd probably be fine. But we're in a we're in a sense we're we're in a time of extremely heightened tensions, political discord. But more importantly, weaponization of, you know, propaganda. If the right goes out of people's homes, you know, the left is going to absolutely take this and start screaming. Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Meanwhile, the left is actually spray painting people's homes and smashing things up and attacking their houses. The right shouldn't be doing that. Admittedly, though, I don't think this is that big of a deal. It's actually kind of funny. And they're going after Pelosi for being a hypocrite. So, hey, I can accept that. But in the media, they've actually taken to blaming journalists who are just covering the protests for causing the protests. It's actually remarkable. MIT Technology Review, I covered this briefly in my main channel segment, are blaming Elijah Schaefer and Andy No specifically for warning people about violence, claiming that by doing so, the videos incite more violence. That's ridiculous. But it's an example of how the media will weaponize anything they can to smear Trump and the right. So you got to be careful about this. Now, we can laugh about Pelosi being a hypocrite and people protesting at her house. I think that's pretty funny. Just keep that in mind. Let's read the story. Fox News says protesters gather at SF home of Nancy Pelosi, hang up hair cur- curlers after salon visit. Some of the protesters were described as angry salon customers, reports said. More than a dozen protesters gathered outside the home of Nancy Pelosi. The rally occurred after Pelosi was captured on video getting her hair cut inside E Salon SF, even though it was closed due to the coronavirus related ordinances. Some of the protesters described as angry salon customers wore curlers in their hair. Others hung blow dryers and hair curlers in a tree outside the residence to express their frustration. I really like this protest. I I, I do. Like when when the left does funny things, like there was there's one video I saw where actually they they do this a lot. They'll dangle donuts in front of cops. I actually think that's fine. Have a sense of humor. Be silly. And there was actually a viral video which kind of made me angry where this dude's walking around with a donut on, a, on a, like, you know, hanging from a string like a fishing pole and all of the cops laugh about it. But one cop gets really mad. And he's like, get that out of my face. You don't. And then they arrest the guy. Now, admittedly, you, you you put a stick in some guy's face and wiggle it around. I don't care what it is like you're actually it, that could be assault in some jurisdiction. So I don't know about getting all triggered and getting angry. I think the pro- pro- appropriate response is to laugh about it. But there are some funny protests you can do. And this is certainly one of them at Nancy Pelosi's house. Quote, what she has done is slap the face of not just a salon owner, but every woman, every man, every person who's unemployed in the state of California, who has lost their jobs and lost their livelihoods, many of whom are my friends, one protester said, San Francisco's Cron TV reported. Salons in San Francisco have been closed since March and were only notified that they could reopen on September 1st for outdoor hairstyling services only. Jessica Christian tweeted, protesters have gathered in front of Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco home and are stringing up curlers and blow dryers in a tree after video surfaced of Pelosi getting her hair cut this we know this is funny some of these women are like middle-aged women like how do you how do you ignite the middle-aged woman voter go get your hair cut when they can't get their hair cut how dare you Nancy the greatest injustice i think for the most part they're just being silly you know but i'm just kidding According to a video posted by SF Chronicle reporter Jessica Christian, the group decorated a tree outside the home with an American flag, declaring it the Freedom Tree. The protesters would also gather in a circle outside the residence. We gather to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to earn a living and feed their families, one protester said, before the group raised their hands in unison. Mayor London Breed was asked on Friday about the protesters. She said it was time to move on. I get that they have these feelings, they are voicing their feelings, but we are... But we are doing the very best we can, and I know that's not good enough for them. I understand. Breed told Los Angeles K-A-B, uh, KABC TV, "I get it, but at the end of the day, it's really time for us to move on. Really, really time for us. What you're doing the best you can. Well, what about any other jurisdiction? Come on, that's not a response. You've locked down the city. You've locked down the state. People are suffering. The same is true for Black Lives Matter. People have lost their lives. They're sad. They're upset." The only difference with the Black Lives Matter is, is that in New York, for instance, Cuomo said, you've won. What do you want? And they said, smashy, smashy. So you do your peaceful protest. You win. I can respect all that. Now you say, here's what we want to do. I can respect all that too. These people are simply saying, give us our jobs back. Let us run our businesses again. Whereas Black Lives Matter are saying, smashy, smashy, defund the police. Well, that's insane. Come on. You can't, you know, it's it's almost like a hostage situation where they're like, I want 50 large anchovy pizzas, three helicopters. I, whoa, 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 dude, we can't get you those things. That's ridiculous. Not like they would actually negotiate with the hostage, you know, taker anyway. The point is, what they're asking for on the left is it's almost purposefully impossible to deliver. So that way they can say, why won't change happen? I see these posts on Reddit where someone mentioned, you know, it was like the 80th day of rioting or whatever, because now it's on like 100. But someone said they keep rioting and nothing's changing. What do people like why won't the police do anything? Someone responded, the protesters keep rioting why nothing wondering why nothing is changing. And 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 it, and it just keeps happening. It's as if we should be negotiating with rioters anyway, but the point is they're asking for impossible things. We want the police department abolished. Well, we can't do that. That's insane. Okay, we want to defund 50%. That's what they said in Seattle. We can't do that either. That's insane. Okay, then I guess they just keep rioting because their demands are insane and cannot be done. Now, what are what are they protesting here? Let me cut hair. Yeah, that we could do. Yeah, we could. And what do they say? Well, we're trying our best. You know what? Shut up. I want to highlight this article here from the Post Millennial. They say article in MIT Technology Review blames conservative journalists for violent riots. It's not. The funny thing about this is the people covering the riots aren't just conservative. There actually are. Regular journalists who have been on the ground. There was a guy from uh, New York Times who's been to several of these events. In fact, it was a New York Times reporter who did the accurate analysis, not perfectly accurate, but pretty accurate analysis of the Kyle Rittenhouse situation. Yet who does the MIT Technology Review blame? They explicitly blame Elijah Schaefer and Andy No. Elijah tweets Harvard in 2020, quote, These narratives have been intensified and supplemented by the work of right wing adversarial media makers like Elijah Schaefer and Andy Ngo, who collect videos of conflict at public protest and recirculate them to their audiences. It's called journalism. It's called the conflict beat. I did the same thing for years back then. They loved it, though. You know why? Because the corporate press wasn't trying to manipulate and use these people for political gain. Now they are now all of a sudden you must condemn anyone who's angry about rioting. This is why I say I don't like people going to people's homes, okay? Look how insane this is. They're, just just wait until, you know, you've, get the, you've got these people showing up to Nancy's, Nancy Pelosi's house. And it was a simple, peaceful protest of about a dozen people. And it was silly and it was funny. But they're going to start saying things out of context and misframed. Well, they're showing up to our homes too. Although there's a very big contextual difference being the left smashes windows. has killed several people and salon customers who are upset haven't, you know, the media is going to play a dirty game. They say her theory is that the violence wasn't documented. If uh, is that if the violence wasn't documented, people would not be so upset and this would calm everything down a bit. And hold on. I got to be fair, though. It's kind of pathetic that they're doing a smear of conservative reporters for simply reporting on this. But there is a point to be made. She mentioned specifically Occupy Wall Street. A moment where the police walked up and pepper uh, sprayed—I believe it was four women who were just standing on the sidewalk. This created one of the most, the uh, fastest-growing viral videos ever at the time. It's like a million views in like 12 hours, and that triggered Occupy Wall Street. No joke. It was it was Officer Anthony Bologna. They call him Tony Bologna. He walked up for no reason and just sprayed these women that were not detained, and nobody knows why. Like They were yelling at him, I guess, and he got frustrated, so he did it. I've seen cops do dumb things, and that triggered Occupy Wall Street. Before that, it was isolated to New York, and it wasn't that popular, wasn't that big, and no one really cared. The police need to be careful about what they do, because earlier this morning, I covered a story where an angry homeowner came out to talk to the police because he had tear gas in his house, and one cop was listening to him when another cop whacked him over the back of the head. These cops got to be careful, and they need to be held accountable. I'll end by saying this. I think it's hilarious they're protesting Nancy Pelosi's. I know, I know. You know, I've I've said it. The point I want to make, wrapping all of this up, I have no problem criticizing cops when they do bad. I think we need our police. I think we need better training and more funding for them. And I think cops honestly should be paid a lot more. I really do. I think some of the higher level cops should probably get paid a little bit less in some areas. And the beat cops need to get paid a bit more, 100%. I want these cops to know and respect the job more than they do, and I think many of them already do. But I want I want cops to be trained better and I want a better culture among police. I want cops to view themselves not as arbiters of the law who have to deal with the scum of the earth. I want them to view themselves more like superheroes. I know many probably do, but I think one way that we can deal with a lot of the problems beyond reform is just a culture of honor and integrity. Cops knowing that they're going out there facing real danger every day. Many of them do. But when you see these cops like whack a dude over the back of the head and do bad, it's because they're fed up and they've snapped. And that's what we, we we need to deal with that. I think most cops absolutely are not that way because I've actually seen awesome videos from good cops. I have no problem calling out bad cops. I have no problem talking about what I want in terms of improving police. And I have no problem calling out the far left. They can't say the same. And what happens? They come out and they blame the the, the journalists who happen to have covered it. Whatever. we solve that. You know what? Maybe I'm not the smartest person in the world, but talking about it helps. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in just a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. You know, I mentioned this several times when people say get woke, go broke. What they often ignore is that many of these businesses got broke. So they went woke, trying to exploit the far left for sweet, sweet green. And it works. It really does. There's a, a viral video going around right now of this, uh, um, this morbidly obese black woman. I, I'm not saying that to be mean. I, I have to preface this. Though. She literally is morbidly obese. She's standing next to a sign that says, all white people are racist. PayPal me and her PayPal information. Someone asked, the ultimate goal of critical race theory is to leverage white guilt into cash in your pocket. And it is. And Colin Kaepernick is the king of this. Breitbart brings it up and it's very clever. They point out no NFL teams called Kaepernick about a job. Really? I wonder why that would be. More importantly, would Kaepernick even take the job? And the answer is no. Why would he? He's got those sweet social justice, uh, you know, uh, sponsorships coming in. Why would he want to take a lower paying job actually having to do work? Think about it. When you play football, you got people running at you and you got to jump. And oh, man, think about it. You got to actually move around. Yikes. Now, social justice. You can you know that meme of Bugs Bunny and he's like sitting there all lazily with his eyes half closed and then he lifts his gun and fires it. That's what Capernicks discovered. He can sit back eating chips, doing whatever he wants, playing video games. And then every, every once in a while, just tweet something like, you know, all white people are racist and you should send me money. And then Boom. Nike sponsorship. Let's read the story. They say, according to a source uh, to, pro, uh, to pro football talk, no one has contacted Colin Kaepernick agents about signing their client to an NFL contract. Quote, per a source with knowledge of the situation, there was some fake interest expressed immediately after Floyd's death, seemingly out of guilt. Pro football talks, Mike Florio writes, there has been zero interest expressed as to Kaepernick in months. Well, he was considered an average quarterback. So why would anyone want to to deal with getting woke and going broke? Now for Kaepernick, he was getting broke. So he got woke. At one point along the way, NFL media reported that teams had contacted friends and associates of Kaepernick and that they would be contacting his agent when they get to the point where they're confident enough that they think they can work out a contract. So either they never got to the point of confidence that they can work out a contract or it was all just more BS. Pro football talks. Mike Florio gets very emotional when it comes to Kaepernick. Still, the truth is there's likely as little interest from Kaepernick in the NFL as there is from the NFL in Kaepernick right now. Colin Kaepernick lives a charmed life of occasional speaking engagement, running a social justice camp for kids, tweeting something insane on the 4th of July and filming the occasional video for Nike. His compensation for all of this? A star deal with Nike. Charles Robinson says details on Kaepernick and Nike. It's wh- it's it's wide endorsement. He's going to have his own branded line: shoes, shirts, jerseys, etc. There will be Kaepernick apparel. Contract is a star deal, on par with top and NFL player millions per year. Star deals also include royalties. Boom! There it is. Average QB who couldn't cut it bends the knee starts complaining, takes some heat, and now he is worth millions. The grift pays off, baby. I love how they like to accuse people on in this you know tribe or tent or whatever, I don't know what you call it, of grifting. And there are some people who do. And I tell you what, sometimes I kind of wish I just played video games for a living because I could do a lot less work and mind my own business and nobody would care. And maybe that's not true, though. Somehow I've managed to avoid the press. Don't ask me for real, they haven't said anything about me. Even as I gain all of these followers and subscribers, I'm kind of happy minding my own business and complaining about things on the internet. It works out pretty well. But a lot of people like to say that, you know, commentators like myself are specifically outraged about things or highlight things in order to, you know, get ratings or turn a profit. And I think it's true for some people, but ultimately I think it's just missing the point on this side for what I do. I turn the camera on and I rant. There's no script. There's no plan. I'm like, whoa, Capernick. Nobody called him. I want to talk about that. And of course, because of my you know, uh, compulsion or whatever, I can talk seemingly forever. But I'd like to express myself on these issues and explain my opinions. It just so happens that some people like watching. And that's that. Kaepernick, on the other hand, was not a great player. He's exploiting social justice for cash, and it's working. There's an active choice to tweet these things out and say these things. Now, I do think it's fair to point out when it comes to people like Kaepernick and others, many of them probably do believe these opinions, but there's something different about it. There's no meritocracy in what Kaepernick is doing. None. When it comes to online commentary, you have to actively do work. You can't just cross your fingers and hope someone comes along and says, I like what you're saying. Here's a million bucks because there's no major corporations that want to sponsor this kind of stuff. Sure. I get the occasional sponsor. I'll shout them out, but it's a pittance relative to the multimillion dollar deal that Kaepernick gets. You see, he comes out, says something that is considered popular and Nike's like, let's sh- slap, you know, his name all over our products and turn a profit because these people on the left are falling in line and following. There's no real requirement to be good at what you do. Just say the right thing and there you go. Now, when it comes to uh, other jobs, when it comes to independent commentary, there's more work involved. So some people on the left and the right will grift on Twitter and they make money from it. But then you have personalities on the right who take great personal sacrifice or risk great personal sacrifice uh, because of this. There's no popularity in challenging the status quo. I mean, among the right, there is, but it's a it's a huge risk. Can you get a job in the future? These people are you're more likely to get fired from your job for speaking up. So there is risk. They, they 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 like to think there's a grift here. Maybe for people who have nothing left to lose, sure. But Kaepernick, on the other hand, he didn't have anything to lose. He had everything to gain. He was he's he wasn't special at all. Average. Nobody wanted him anyway, and they still don't. They're going to say. Some outlets put Kaepernick's deal to be north of $5 million per year. So why we have any interest in getting blasted by 310 pound defensive linemen and heightening his risks of contracting COVID to make $12,000 a week on some backup quarterback contract? It makes no sense. There's only one group of people in America who want to see Kaepernick play football, the media. They want the story and they want the images of his rebellious cast off returning returning in full glory to assume his rightful place, playing the most high-profile position in the league that shunned him. The reality is, Kaepernick has already conquered the NFL. He used his last season to inject the league with a fatal poison that revealed its moral weakness and faux patriotism. Then, after lighting that match, he walked away and watched the American sports version of Rome burn. Kaepernick won enough games as an athlete to know what victory looks like, and he's seeing it now. Why risk tearing an ACL, just to give Mike Florio a headline. It's an excellent point. Another point made by in this article over at City Journal. Eye on the news, boycotting themselves out of business by skipping games for nebulous political demands. Pro athletes threaten to alienate fans and crater their own industry. They are extracting whatever value they can in exchange for outrage and now let me end this by saying why communism just doesn't work, or at least socialism. Think about UBI. That's what I, that's what I love. Universal basic income. You know why I think it won't work? There's a, well, there's a lot of reasons why I think it won't work. But let me tell you one. It's this. Right now, people work, produce things, and they get money for it. Imagine a world of universal basic income. Now, there are many good things to say about it. That's why I like exploring the idea. And I think it should be researched further because there's probably a way we can implement something like it. But let's take a look at just dumping money into the ecosystem. The problem is right now we have many people with nothing to do, yet they still easily access resources. They then allocate those resources towards rioting and other dumb things. If they can survive without having to do work, they dedicate themselves to ideology. And there's a problem. Imagine this. The year is 2040. UBI is nationwide. Farmers still have to farm. They still have to do work. People in cities aren't working because they have UBI. Now, UBI doesn't necessarily replace the work they do, but many young people choose just to pool their money together and live in squalor. You know, I know this is the case. This would likely happen because I've done it with a bunch of friends. As a skateboarder, many of us just want to figure out how how to accrue just enough money so that we can all sleep on the floor of a one one bedroom apartment with like five people so that we can spend most of our time doing whatever we want, skateboarding and not having to actually work. And so you end up with people doing the bare minimum, cramming themselves in apartments. You give people UBI and this is likely to happen. And then people will start showering money on those who praise them. What happens? Seeing that you can make more money grifting than actually playing basketball or doing work, people will say, I'd rather just complain about stuff and get free money from people who have nothing else to do. And then you create a new class of individuals. The ideologue, the preacher class, the priest class, though that those that just get money from others to complain, they already exist. And Kaepernick is one of them. Imagine if a ton of people had nothing to do and free money on their hands. They would siphon all that money to their ideological priests and they will tithe and that will create this. Well, it will, it will expand the far left's ridiculous religion. I'm not a fan of that idea. I prefer meritocracy and I like the idea that people help. They help build things. Right now, you've got too many people who don't work and maybe that's what they need. You know, the uh, idle hands, the devil's playground. Well, these people don't even want to have idle hands. These people are bored and purposeless. So they found a purpose, smashy, smashy, in the name of some kind of nebulous social justice political cause. In the end, sports players, athletes, musicians, celebrities realize, why am I doing all this work when I can just tweet the orange man is bad and then people will PayPal me like that morbidly obese lady who stood up calling white people racist? She's making money by just insulting them to their face. Talk about a dream job. Imagine if you could stand in front of the people you hated and say, you stink. You're ugly. You, I guess you're okay, but I hate you anyway. Now give me money. And they do. How incredible is that? I don't want to create an economy based on that. That sounds terrible. That's apparently what Twitter is, though. And that's why in the end, I believe UBI moving in this direction can be detrimental, can be. Not necessarily is. We need to make sure we pay attention to what people are doing and instill purpose or or a drive within people. They need to find passion for their own work. Ideology is not the answer. Write a book, you know, a story, make a video game, paint a picture, go on an adventure. This ain't it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. And in the end, Social justice and critical race theory and left wing identitarianism will ultimately result in all people neatly boxed and segregated from each other because it is offensive to do otherwise. There was a story not too long ago about a dude who was on a conference call like the teachers union or something or teachers association in New York. And he was I believe he was a white man and he was bouncing a baby on his knee. But the baby wasn't white. Well, a white woman apparently got really angry and said, you are triggering people of color by having a baby on your knee, but you're not the race of that baby. And it's like, dude, are you racist? What's wrong with you? The lady got really mad and complained and told the man he must read white fragility to understand. Think about that for a second. Telling white people not to bounce babies on your knee Because an avowed racist, Robin DiAngelo, wrote a book telling you not to do it. There's something particularly gross and creepy about the left forming white collective action groups uh, predicated upon the idea that they're superior or they have power over other people. Superior in class control, I should say. Well, I bring you now to uh, uh, the natural result of this far left insanity a USC professor placed on leave after black students complained his pronunciation of a Chinese word affected their mental health. I am not joking. This is not satire. It is not the Babylon Bee or the Onion. It is, in fact, the National Review. That's right. A professor was talking about language and he may. I'm not not sure exactly what he's talking about. I think he was talking about ellipses like he says he he actually. Oh, man, you're going to love this. Greg Patton, a professor at the university's Marshall School of Business, was giving a lecture about the use of filler words in speech during a recent online class when he used the word in question. And what is that word? Oh, I'm going to tell you. Saying, if you have a lot of ums and ers, this is culturally specific. So based on your native language, like in China, the common word is that, that, that. So in China, it might be now, I have to pronounce this word very slowly and uh, to avoid the auto filter. It's nay followed by ge. Nay followed by again. He says it three times. Of course, when you say that really fast, people get offended because it sounds like a racial slur. In an August 21st email to university administration obtained by National Review, students accused the professor of pronouncing the word like the N-word approximately five times. During the lesson, there's there's a comedian who has a bit about this where he talks about how he was in China and you'll see like a little kid walks up and they're looking at the menu. And for us. So like let's imagine you, you go to Wendy's, right? And you walk up and they're like, what would you like to eat? And you go, um, um I think, hmm, what do I want? Do you have something like, um, you know, do you have like that, that chicken sandwich, but it's like got the special sauce on it. We use likes, we use ums, we use you knows. These are filler words. They're just meant to kind of say like if, if, you, if you speak a little bit faster than you're thinking and you need time, you use a filler word. Well, in China, it's the word that. Nay and ga. I can't say it because YouTube's automatic filter will catch me saying it and I can't. Isn't that stupid? Isn't that racist? I mean, not racist, but culturalist or something. The idea that foreign languages pronounced a certain way are offensive to people in America is racist in the other direction. By insulting, by, by, by uh, targeting this professor and getting him placed on leave, they're proving they, in fact, are racist. Of course, I'm not surprised they're targeting Asians again because many of these critical race loonies think that race is, uh, or, or that Asians are not really minorities or pe- marginalized people because they succeed. Ultimately, I guess the end result is they're just complaining about capitalism, and they're ra- they're racist. The idea that you know, in in this book, it's called "In Defense of Looting." This uh, uh, this individual writes that they believe, sir, man, I don't even know if I want to say it. They the left views Asians as as Jews, and this is among the leftist ideology as like the face of capital, and it's overtly racist. I'm gonna make sure that whenever I talk. And I have like quotes or context. I'm going to just keep saying the left, the left, the left so that you can't clip the context. Anyway, let's read about this guy. The students who identified themselves as black MBA candidates, CO 2022, wrote that they had reached out to the to Chinese classmates as they were appalled by what they had heard. It was confirmed that the pronunciation of this word is much different than what Professor Patton described in class. The word is most commonly used with a pause in between both syllables. In addition, We have lived abroad in China and have taken Chinese language courses at several colleges. And this phrase clearly and precisely before instruction is always identified as a phonetic homonym and a racially derogatory term and should be carefully used, especially in the context of speaking Chinese within the social context of the United States. Well, you know what? We can play that game if if you'd like. From now on, any word that remotely sounds offensive in any language will be offensive to me. Period. I don't care what it is. Was that you speak in Korean? Nope, because that sounds like a bad word in English. Or you speak in English? Well, that sounds like a bad word in Korean. i can play this game? Um, but I'll be I'll be offended by anything. Uh, you know, if that's the game you want to play. I feel like when you see stories like this, I was thinking about this the other day. All you're really getting is a group of people who know they can exploit the system versus a group of people who refuse to. Conservatives are saying, "Hey, man, here are the rules. You can't just do that." And the left is saying, We don't care about the rules, we're gonna burn it all down. I mean, think about it this way. I was I was reading a Wikipedia page for a a female individual who recently changed their name because they are now non binary. And they refer to themselves as a male name, but as non binary. And reading this Wikipedia page was ridiculous. Like, I'm not trying to be mean, but I couldn't understand it because it would make references to certain organizations using the word they and the individual using they in the same sentence. And I'm like, I don't know which one you're talking about, the organization or the person. But I also wondered why it is the Wikipedia page changed the name of the individual with no source confirming the name change. You see, on Wikipedia, you're supposed to have a source saying this is true. But if the individual just came out themselves saying, here's my new name. Well, the individual is not a reliable source, so how is that now fact? Which made me wonder, if I decided to just change my name, because anybody can change their name for whatever reason, would it be respected by Wikipedia? The answer is no, and therein lies the strange problem that we're seeing in these power dynamics. If these students come out and say that word nay and ga, then nobody would care. The professor, however, because he's in a position to be subverted, he gets suspended. It's all about exploiting the system with their allies and they're winning because other people, namely on the right and liberals, refuse to cheat. We are being faced with people cheating the system for power and political gain. And because we're not willing to do so, they're getting away with it. Well, that's why they need to be called out and stopped. But I blame liberals for the most part, the ones who won't speak up because they're scared of stepping through the fire. Well, on the other side of that fire is freedom and admittedly now stability. And if you sit back and just let these people take your job away because you pronounced a Chinese word slightly incorrectly, well, there's not going to be anything left. Think about it this way. What's to stop anyone from deciding they can just exploit the system the same as these lefties are? Well, they say nobody really wants to change their name or identify as a different gender to exploit the system. Sure. But how would you know? No, for real, how would you know? They say certain individuals who are winning track races and stuff, you know, track meets or whatever you call it, are are truly trans. Okay, fine. I got no problem with that. But you realize anybody could just do that if they want to. And you can't just say it wouldn't happen because it could. In fact, now, according to Vice, there is a gender neutral individual arguing that we should get rid of gender segregation in sports, period. Sure, I guess. If females will never be allowed to compete again, that would be the case if we were to do that. We created women's divisions specifically so that they wouldn't compete against men. But I was thinking about this in, term of, in terms of names you know, what are the rules around me just changing my name? Not even legally, just straight up saying like, eh, my name is, you know, whatever, just just picking something at random. Why wouldn't they entertain that change? Eventually, here's what I see happening. There's no end game to critical race theory or leftist identitarianism other than they want money and power. the The end result of critical race theory is that you have these individuals saying, all white people are racist, therefore hire me and give me cash. And it works you know, Robin D'Angelo, I'm pretty sure, is like a millionaire. She's probably making tons of money off that book. It was a number one bestseller on Amazon and still to this day is a bestseller. And she's an avowed racist. No joke. She straight up says she is. And she says she's uncomfortable around black people. Why is anyone taking her advice? Well, she's getting rich from it. So what happens in 20, 30 years if we stay on this path? The system will be completely broken. Probably society would collapse we're getting more and more laws that are based on race. People are losing their jobs for nonsensical reasons. This guy literally did nothing. He insulted no one. He was making a point that comedians have made for a very, very long time. And people point out. Jack Posobiec tweets. Someone asked him about this, saying, Jack, you speak, you know, you're fluent in Mandarin. What do you think? He says, I've seen this exact misunderstanding play out again and again. Na and ge, or nay and ge, just means the article that in Mandarin and is so common that you really can't speak Chinese without saying it. Could you imagine what would happen if Jack Posobiec, conservative and and, uh, a personality on OAN, released a video of him speaking Mandarin fluent, and he used the word that? They would clip it, and they would show it and be like, boom, he's a racist. As long as corporations are bending over backwards for these people, our system can't function people cannot be fired for this stuff but they're they're getting suspended so where do we go y'all need to start standing up against it and 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 people are like that story earlier I covered on my main channel about American Airlines the employee is saying no way to black lives matter it's about time people start pushing back otherwise there won't be a system you won't have access to anything you'll walk outside and you'll be too confused to be able to buy anything you'll walk into the store and be like there's different kinds of currency for different races, and who knows? You're gonna be wearing a gray jumpsuit with your head shaved, and you'll walk in and say, um, excuse me, and they'll go, what did you just say to me? Excuse? Excuse? Do you know that cues is part of the word accuse? And my people have been accused for too long. That's how insane it is, because cues sounds like accuse, and nay and ga sounds too much like a slur. "Cuse," wait a minute, that's that sounds almost like a slur itself. You see where it goes. Well, hopefully this guy keeps his job. And uh, just another day of pointing out absurdities, I guess. Ah, whatever. It's Labor Day. I hope you're all having fun. I'm going to go have some burgers and uh, I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. I will see you all next time, which is tomorrow at 10 a.m. And uh, again, thanks for hanging out.